Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's episode is sponsored by the audiobook edition of Exposed by bestselling author Lisa Scottolini and narrated by actress Kate Burton. In this new legal thriller, the battle for justice pits partner against partner and proves that loyalty can be lethal. Listen at home, on the go, or while tackling your to-do list, or if you're like me, just listen while you want to ignore your family. <laughs> to hear an excerpt, visit macmillanaudio.com slash exposed. That's macmillan, M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N, audio.com slash exposed. Book of the Month makes discovering great new books easier than ever. Browse their five monthly selections and get your favorites shipped to your door in a fun-to-open box. Head over to bookofthemonth.com slash crimewriters to see their current selections and get your first book for just $9.99. Book of the Month, bound to delight. Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about pop culture, true crime, journalism. And this week, we review a very surprising true crime series about the Lacey Peterson case. Plus, we report on a very eventful trip, how that whole awards thing worked out, a Twitter war involving all kinds of sassy podcast characters, and a real true crime podcast update, serial season two subject, Bo Bergdahl's Court Martial. Joining me to get all of that and a whole lot more done is my true crime co-author, real-life husband, and host of These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast, Kevin Flynn. Guten Tag, Kevin. Oh, is that because we have a German exchange student that is staying why. with us? Yes. I, I want to be respectful. Guten Morgen. <laughs> no, it's not. Guten Tag? I, guten Nacht. I don't know. I think that's what you say Whatever. when you go to bed. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> He's very nice, though. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. His name is uh, Moritz. So if you're missing a German... Uh, we have him. Also with us is journalist, true crime author, licensed private investigator, former defense investigator, certified cat lady, and super first week of school mom, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello. Yeah, I'm organized for one week, Rebecca. My refrigerator is pristine. It's very <laughs> exciting. It's going to be over by next week. But this week, I feel good. Can we all agree that the first week of school, I think it's the most difficult week of the whole year, right? I think it's the happiest yes. time of the year, right? No, it's supposed to be. But there's like so much to do. Like they come home with 20 pieces of paper to sign for the first four days of the week. Like 
It's ridiculous. Yeah. And we're in the um, we're in the nuke zone. So we every what? single year have to fill out the paperwork. Yeah, because we're close to the Seabrook nuclear power plant yeah. here. Uh-huh. So every year at the beginning of school, you have to sign the form, either giving permission or not, for them to give your child uh, the potassium iodide pills if there's Holy a like shit. nuclear meltdown. And I'm like, you know... <laughs> Is it really going to make that much of a difference if we have a nuclear meltdown that, what is it, it protects like your thyroid? Really? Okay, so your thyroid's okay. That's great. We were given those tablets when we first moved here. I have a real question. How far do we live from the Seabrook nuclear power plant? Like 40 miles, 50 miles, maybe? Far enough away we don't need the pills. No, I think we still need the pills. No, you just stuck under a desk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Toby's got old pills he can give us. (laughs) And finally, the master of cynical side-eye, the brilliant novelist behind the City Trilogy and the co-host of the Radio Free Dystopia podcast, the man who doesn't get enough time, according to many of our social media fans, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Greetings from Castle Winterfell, Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of, uh, this is the time of the podcast where we kind of catch up on what we've been up to, and we've got a lot to talk about. But, Toby, I do want to get to you first, because I know through social media that you actually did watch the finale of Game of Thrones, and you might have a couple of questions. I watched it. I don't know if I have so much questions as as observations. Oh, boy. So my first observation is I don't think that the people in this like really utilize their maps as well as they could. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have these enormous maps. And then when it's like they all gather around it and they're like, okay, well, you're going to go here and then we're going to sail here and then we'll meet here. It's like, that's not what you use a map for. I mean, you're just saying names. It's like, you usually use a map for like, oh, you know, we'll follow this path through the mountains. And, right. And it was that way in the first one, too, because they're like, we'll, we'll have one fleet here, and the other fleet will go to this place. So anyway. It's not like they're using a map. It's like they're playing Risk, basically, yeah. right? And they usually use like an action <laughs> yeah, exactly. figure that they move from this part of the map to the other part of the map. Yeah. Toby, I have to say that is a really good observation. Really, really good. You know, I just feel like the show might have been better if... If somebody else had thought of that. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if I couldn't tell. So there's that scene where where um, what's his face? The imp. Tyrion. Yeah. So he and his sister Mm -hmm. were like having that argument in that room. Yep. And I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like a satire Mm. on like family dramas because it's like all the same stuff about how you feel betrayed right. and, you know, you alienated from. But it's all about killing people. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you got alienated from your dad. It's like you killed you killed our father. <laughs> With a giant because he was, while he was to on you. the toilet, Toby, yeah. while he was on the toilet. Right. If that had been specified. Um, and then it's the same thing with the kids. Anyway, so I wasn't too clear on what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a question. Was I the only person who, when Cersei... Like, I've only watched two episodes of this. Right. But when Cersei promised that she would take her forces up north, mm-hmm. and the other guys were like, oh, okay, that's cool. I was like, there's no fucking way she's doing that. No, you weren't the only person. And she reveals later, spoiler alert, that it was actually a lie. So, no, you weren't the only person who thought that. Right. She's very untrustworthy. Okay. She's never been trustworthy. Can we just cut to the quick here? I, what, what did you think of the scene yeah. where uh, Jon Snow uh, started having <laughs> sex with who we now know is his aunt? <laughs> You know what I found out is that I found out on social media that his ass cheek is like a perfect 
Fibonacci uh, <laughs> curve. Wow. Yeah. What? Kit Harrington. Wow. He could be naked in Studio C anytime. Somebody took a screenshot and then superimposed a Fibonacci <laughs> uh, thing over it, and it apparently, like... He's got the perfect Fibonacci ass. I would not want to be the IT guy at your workplace. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Let's move on. So, Kevin, it's been a big week in uh, Flynn Lavoie land. Yeah. And we've been embroiled in some controversy, but I'm hoping that you can perhaps give some context. First of all, we went to that podcast movement conference. Well, first of all, and we'll have to talk about this next time, but we had a wonderful weekend in New York with Patrick Hines. Yes. From Broadway Backstory and, and Theater People. And from True Crime Obsessed. And uh, we will get back to that. But True Crime Obsessed is hilarious, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's Patrick Hines. I just started listening to that. Yes, yeah. that is Patrick Hines, who is, in fact, as hilarious as his husband, Steve. They also are big characters on my upcoming podcast, HGTV and Me. Yeah, so we, uh, as you know, we've been, we've been joking about for the past couple of months, these other stories have been nominated for an award at the Academy of podcast awards. I don't know what it's called. All I know is the ceremony was so long that we left, like as soon as our award category came in. Yeah, yeah, we're we're last, our category was last in alphabetical order and we thought, oh no, but they started hopping around. So that was good. So we could get right to the bar. I mean, we had actually a great time. This was a a convention for podcasters, whether you're just starting out or, uh, you know, whether you're well-established and you want to make some connections in the industry, you want to learn about industry trends and the economics of it. And we met some, like, fantastic folks. We met Dan Taberski oh my God. from Missing Richard Simmons was yes. so nice. So nice. Aaron Mankey from Lore. We met Madeline Barron from In the Dark in person. We've been internet yeah. friends for a long time. We spent a lot of time with uh, Robbie Ashadri. and you finally met in person. Who I finally met in person. And fell in love with. Just and like fell I in love with. And Toby... She really would like to talk to you. <laughs> I think oh, no. she said, I think part of it, she wants to give you a hug. She told she loves you. Toby, I think if Robbie had her way, she would spend a couple of hours with you and bring you on the Adnan bandwagon <laughs> if she could. She'd probably be successful, too. She's yeah. very persuasive, especially oh, if you brought that cute baby. Right, right. And we hung out with Brooke from uh, Actual Innocence and- Susan uh, and Colin. Uh, James Wyrick with his big blocky head. <laughs> he looks like a Minecraft figure, actually. <laughs> He so does. yeah, we wasn't had a, he like the uh, eligible bachelor of the podcast movement oh, conference? Yes. He was. He was. Yes. He was. I'm, we can't name names, but did he have a, a harem? No, uh, <laughs> no. But there is a certain podcaster, Robbie Chaudhry, who, <laughs> who is trying to set him up with a friend. Who like all right? Oh, it's like Wyrick lives in California, <laughs> and this friend probably lives in Baltimore. But right. it's like oh, it'll totally work. But we went out and we had drinks with everybody. Robbie didn't drink, of course she's. She's a practicing Muslim, so she was a designated driver. Right. No, no she, she wasn't. wasn't. I just, I, uh, <laughs> she brought her baby. Yes, she brought her baby, who was, ama- who was the cutest baby I ever met. She's like a, like a goddamn boss, like walking into a conference, pushing a baby stroller, and the baby, he made no noise. And she was he, she was tweeting like vicious tweets the whole time. It was amazing. It was great. It, it was very good. We found out a lot of great stuff about what's going on. We made some some new friends. Uh, you know, we talked to folks who were starting out their podcast. We got a couple of good leads on some new podcasts that we will probably be looking at in the next coming weeks. Including, by the way, Hanging from San Jose Mercury News, which I just want to give a shout out to because we met the reporter who made it. That podcast is climbing the charts now. I have listened to a couple of episodes of it, and we should probably talk about it a little bit next time we all get together. So I was following you guys like vicariously on Twitter. And then, like, maybe a day and a half into this, it seemed like 
something crazy went down. And I, I need to know about this, if that's what you were going to talk about next, Kevin. Some shit um, went I down. I was yeah. following yeah. the Podcast tweets. Movement, yeah. Some shit went down. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, oh my God, what is happening with like Rabia and Payne Lindsay and all these it was like and Rebecca so what, what was happening Lindsay yeah and, <laughs> but I didn't have the whole story because I was just reading these tweets and I was like what is happening out in California right now generally you know I, I hate wading into these like you hate gossiping Twitter wars and and, and whatnot but and, not this time <laughs> look so there were there were many different sessions uh like I said Dan Taberski gave one talking about Missy and Richard Simmons and He's certainly and certainly said like you know Bring you know, ask me about the controversy. Like, what was episode six supposed to be like? That he, you know, here it is. Uh, they left a boombox with a whole bunch of balloons tied to it outside Richard's house with all the the episodes on, and he came back the next day and it hadn't been played. Um, and then he ended up doing something else. And in the dark, did a wonderful um, Madeline and her producer, whose name escapes me. Oh, they did a wonderful presentation about the five editorial rules they used for making that show, which included like. Be a nice person to the people that you're interviewing. Listen when they talk to you. Like, be quiet and let them talk. And then they played... Ask a different question as opposed to just who did it. Ask a, ask a different, like a larger question, like as they did. Like, why do these investigations fail? Right. And then they played samples of tape of what their podcast could have sounded like if they had broken they re- those rules. Ed- yeah, yeah. Like that guy who was a suspect who was then exonerated, who it ruined his life. They played what it would have sounded like with ominous music. If they had just used some of his interview tape and like set him up to maybe be the bad guy. Yeah. And it was really, really, really good. It was basically like, don't be a horrible person. Make a responsible podcast. Now, while this is, was not like a Comic-Con or something for fans, I think our listeners who have listened to a lot of these different podcasts and got to know these personalities, I think you should know they were great. We had a great time. I think you would, would have really liked them. One of the keynote speeches was by the whole Undisclosed team. And they came out and spoke to a room of a thousand plus podcasters and talked about, you know, how they went. And, I, and I'll say you were actually I was there a day ahead of time. I wasn't there. You were that. over Albuquerque when your name got brought up. And Rabia said that, like, the first couple of episodes of Undisclosed were really rough. And it wasn't until they brought Rebecca on to kind of smooth the sound design out that they found their footing. And I thought that that was that was a great testament to what you do for other podcast but that's not where the controversy happened that is not where the controversy time to spill some tea kevin okay so (laughs) okay all right so the next day patient yeah one of the uh one of the uh presentations was made by Payne Lindsay from up and vanished he rolled in and he was wearing a t-shirt that said i am not a podcaster it's not like in big like block letters which i'm thinking okay so this is going to be the theme of his talk and like i don't know is this going to be like a self-deprecating thing or is he going to be like all iconoclastic and like I, you know I broke through and this is how you can too right because this is other podcasters who want to learn is he going to be inspiring I mean, right yeah or is he going to be heretical which isn't necessarily bad yeah and he rolls in like with this whole promotion there were four entourage an entourage <laughs> well there were like these four uh, brand ambassador women who you know these are the kind of like uh, ladies, th- th- yeah, models that you would see, like you know, in the bar, and it's like, oh, we have a special on Michelob Ice, you know, and they were <laughs> passing out material, and they were all wearing T-shirts that said, "If I vanish, call Payne at this phone number." We were like, super tacky, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, swag. It was super tacky, and, and and there were a lot of people that you, you know that he's got a TV deal now uh, with Tenderfoot productions or tenderfoot tv you know to, to bring up and vanish as a tv show so he he went in and he started talking about how 
and, and I'm just going to paraphrase. I'm not going to get the quotes right, but his speech rubbed a lot of the true crime podcasters who were in the room the wrong way. He said that, you know, Syria was great, but after that, he couldn't tell. He said, well, I didn't know if the bar was just so high, but I didn't like anything after that. So I decided I would go out and make a podcast that I, I wanted to listen to. And he said, like, because I didn't know the rules to doing podcasts. And so I just broke. I'm like, no music and no Foley. And I'm like hoping, I'm like, I'm hoping you use that word wrong. You know, Foley, we talk about sound effects. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping he's interchanging the word Foley with natural sound or right. wild sound. Right. Foley is like the footsteps that you would hear in Limetown when someone's walking across the floor. It's stuff you make up. You make up. Yeah. Natural sound would be like if you're walking through the woods and someone knows something and mm-hmm. you hear, you know, actual feet, you know, there in the th- in the thing. I, I think he means that. I, I'm not sh- I don't think he means. <laughs> you're being very I added <laughs> I added fake sound effects because no one told me I, I couldn't. And then he basically went on to say that in so many words that all of the other podcasts were really bad and the bar was low <laughs> and that. He did things that no one else had done. He did things that never had been done before. before. Like Like, I went to the town and I talked to people and I'm thinking, you mean like reporting? (laughs) Well, Jesus, let's go get Edward R. Murrow's ghost and let him know (laughs) that you figured this out. And I'll just say, like, it, it it wasn't a TED Talk. It definitely was not. It wasn't a good read of the room. It wasn't. I I think that he was. The 45 minute speech went 25 minutes. Yes. And then he gave a plaque to his audio host. Yeah. You know, I, I understand your audio host is like the person it, who also brings you revenue. Guys, it but... looked like, you know, like when you see like a gold record, like in a, <laughs> you know, like in a frame, like, you know, it's, uh, you know, and they, they make put the, it was like his album cover <laughs> of his podcast that he made and gave to the sales department at his audio host. So we have also have a, an advertising agency that works with our show, but they like, we like them a lot. We work with them a lot. We don't have enough money to give them. But in another business, mm-hmm. it would be like you giving a plaque to the guy who delivers paper to your office in mm-hmm. front of an audience right. of people who came to hear you talk about your right. business. Now, while I rolled my eyes at, at some of the, I, I don't know if it's the, there, there was a certain kind of uh, swagger that it was a bro talk. Yeah, it was. That, okay. that I don't think I think bros would have enjoyed. I, you know, I didn't terribly <laughs> care for. I didn't hate it. Other people were really put off on it, but I was really concerned when they showed this video clip. Now they showed like he unveiled this clip for what the TV show was, and of course, you know the the cinematography is very beautiful because this is you know if you looked at his website when the podcast first rolled he had sort of like a, a teaser trailer that he did so he'd shot a bunch of stuff like in the woods a woman you know kind of standing off in the distance who like it could be the murder victim or whatever so it was all shot very beautifully and then like the trailer just sort of like start, the pace that starts picking up you always you see him like in a room with a guy like looking out the window and then he's like running his hands through the dirt and the ground like he's a goddamn Indian tracker. Native American tracker. Okay, Native American <laughs> tracker. Like he's going to like sniff the dirt and realize, oh, she went this way. And then there's a shot of somebody running and it, it's dark and I can't tell who it is. And it kind of looks like there's a tire wrench in that. It was very quick, but somebody running and I'm like, what was there danger involved in this? <laughs> you, you know, I mean, I'm like, oh, you know. So, hey, Richard Engel, I know you've been in Syria, but like, watch for this. Now, it bothered me because, look, 
we've been tweeted at and emailed to, and people have asked us, what is, what is your opinion of what is the latest on this podcast? People have asked us for months. About that, and we've not responded. We've not said anything. No, look, I, I, <laughs> I do not know for sure. I cannot possibly assert that, like, there is fakery involved with the production of that podcast. I know that, like, you know, when I'm listening to a phone montage of supposed calls and him get being hung up on that the audio sounds different and the speech pattern is different but I can't say that that's a fraud I don't know that and whether or not it's tacky to have dead person trivia night on one of your podcast that's not for me to say that that's gauche you're the listener if you think so that's what if you don't that's fine. But if there's this hanging... Is that a real thing? That's a real thing. That's happened on his show, yeah. We got, yeah. We got like 100 emails about it. Yeah. And we didn't address it on this show. Oh. If you think that the additional episodes that happen after the arrest of these two guys, who, my understanding is, weren't really part of this cowboy cookie investigation... Yeah, if you think taking credit for an investigation that you didn't solve is a bad idea. We weren't planning on addressing yeah, any of that. Yeah, we weren't going <laughs> to... You know, that's fine. You like... People are like, I really liked... It. Great. You liked it. We just give a review. You make your own decision. We're not going to argue with you. You like this. You like someone knows something, great. You like Up and Vanished, that's great. I can't tell you you shouldn't like it. But the idea that there is this level of fakery hanging over the production, and then you see stuff visually, like, if that didn't happen, if that is your host running away from some fake danger. With a tire iron? With a tire iron (laughs) to embellish a fake sense of drama. I don't know what that clip is because I didn't see it in context, but I was really troubled by that. And I kept that kind of to myself and then, until <laughs> until Rabia Chaudhry of undisclosed and serial fame, who was in the room for the entire presentation with Kevin. She wasn't sitting with him, but she was also in the room. She tweeted about his what she perceived as being disparaging remarks about other shows and I saw her tweet in real time and immediately ran to the conference room because I didn't know what she was talking about and sat down also. And then I sat through the rest of the talk and it was, I will say, I agreed with Rabia that it was pretty offensive. It did not read the room well. The conference was meant to be people coming to a conference to hear podcasters talking about how they became successful in a way that could be replicated, a way that was inspiring, tips, um, ideas, what is your editorial take, how do you monetize this? It's supposed to be like vocational, right? And this was not that. Rabia tweets to Payne saying that you shouldn't diss other podcasts. All of a sudden, his entourage members joined Twitter just to argue about it. One literally joined Twitter. (laughs) And said that. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. It got weird fast and then Aaron Mankey who is the guy who makes the lore podcast yeah like totally out of left field right who is by the way one of the nicest people I've met besides Dan Taberski who was yeah. also lovely and is probably the most successful podcaster at this that year, show right? besides, no besides Dan Taberski Dan well, Taberski no, and Aaron Mankey are both Aaron like, has a TV show Aaron has a TV show yeah. in development he has one of his books is being developed into a film he's very successful there's no reason for him to jump into any of this. And then he also jumps in and is like, no, guys, that that presentation was inappropriate. I don't want to quote him, but he basically was on Team Rabia as well. Okay, I think he said something to... 
campaign that you just took a dump on yeah, every on all of your, the other people. He did. He said you you are saying the bar was so low yeah. and you just stepped over. Yeah, it. he did. He was on fleek. He was. Yeah, Aaron Menke was. Who, by the way, I just met having like cantaloupe in the break room like eight times during this podcast. Was suddenly like was throwing barbs at Payne, which I will stand by. I'm 100 percent on Team Robbie and Team Kevin on this one. It was weird and. Like we said, we don't like to gossip about other people's stuff. We've gotten into some scrapes on Twitter. I have. Yeah. At Kevin's like, we're not talking about that in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but this one, yeah. it was crazy. And it was really public. And I know that a lot of our listeners are also fans of Payne Lindsay. But I was just not impressed with the conduct and the level of Yeah. Again, it, just, it went over <laughs> like a lead balloon, guys. It just... Now, look, obviously, we're critical of podcasts. Yeah. And I agree on our with show, Payne Lindsay show's that about. there are some bad crime podcast there tons out there. of bad there's some podcasts. great ones too to say they all sucked and mine was great but it was also a matter of this and this is what bothered me about the twitter war during the twitter back and forth Payne and one of his entourage who literally just joined joined twitter to join this argument his uh said that we all of us you and me and rabia and aaron and everybody were at the in the dark panel at which 45 minutes was spent like shitting on Up and Vanished. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, the In the Dark panel with Madeline Barron and her producer, they didn't mention any other podcast. They were yeah. just showing the best practices of podcasts, and they played samples of what it could sound like if you if you break those rules and you do bad practices. And if the Up and Vanished guys think that that was about them, that if, says more about them than it does about the In the Dark people. If you recognize people. in, in a <laughs> if presentation you about- bad journalism yeah. as sounding like your show- then I it's don't know. It's not about the other know. person's presence. So anyway, yeah, we we had. So took, what do you guys think of we, the gossip? We took a side, guys. We're taking a side, right, Kevin? We're on Team wow. Rabia and Team Aaron. True Crime Podcasting in general. I'm on Team Integrity and Team. <laughs> I'm on Team. I am a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we need some shirts. So sorry to get all gossipy there, guys, and hijack the podcast with our gossip. No, that was. I'm. I'm glad because I, like I said, I had been like following vicariously, and I was like, oh, it looks so much fun. I wish I had gone to this conference. And I was like, what the hell is going on out there? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, it was like going back and forth, and I was like, wow, these people are getting really nasty. Like, what is? And and I it just the the tone that Payne was writing back to Rabia, and and she got into it a little bit too. But I was just like, whoa, you know, it just uh, it took me by surprise. I think Aaron Menke is sort of the the outsider judge, if that was... He's the arbiter. The arbiter, I, I think, as someone who didn't have he was any the skin in the game. He was the benevolent, lovable mansplainer in the situation. He has the gravitas <laughs> to come out and say that, yeah. <laughs> Well, if things had really gotten out of control, I think Wyrick could have like used all his like marine super skills to step in and just be like, "Enough!" You could kill, you know, somebody. and like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he could have restored order. I mean, he could have like, I don't know, bench pressed people over his head. It would have been very exciting. He's a pretty tough teddy bear, that Wyrick. And speaking of, we actually got the chance not only to go out drinking with him, which I would not recommend, by the way. <laughs> Do not try to keep up with a former marine. I learned my lesson there. But well, you're it, never a former Marine, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was not all red carpets and open bars for us at Podcast Movement. We also got one of these done. Kevin, could you read this for me? True, True crime, crime Podcast, podcast. Update. update. At Podcast Movement. Did that sound fake? 
Uh, yes. <laughs> Did that echo effect sound fake? It was totally it was. natural. Oh, God. When you say that, this room just automatically has some echo chamber noises that just activate when you use those words. So anyway, uh, there were some on-site studios at Podcast Mode. We got to sign up for one, and we grabbed Wyrick to have a conversation about the latest in the court-martial of Serial Season 2 protagonist Bo Bergdahl. So why don't we just listen to like what's happened in that case recently, and then on the other side of this tape, it's just a few minutes long, I'll just have a quick follow-up about it. So let's play that now. So for the sake of our audience, can you say who you are and how our audience might know who you are? I am James Wyrick. I have been on both of your podcasts yeah. at some point in uh, my life. Recently on These Are Their Stories, I'm a retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel, Judge Advocate, slash... That is a lawyer and a big fan of podcasting. And an expert in all things military justice related. Uh, well, a, a struggling expert, yes. What the hell is going on with Bo Bergdahl? Bo Bergdahl is going to go to have a trial date in late October. The, mo- the two most recent uh, things that happened was some rulings by the judge and a decision by the prosecution to not use any of Bo Bergdahl's statements while in captivity Those against Those videos, him. you mean, that he had, was forced proof, to make? Yeah, proof of life yep. videos or any of the statements he made in, in video format. I think he may have also had some just audio ones. Uh, I don't know if they were podcasts. No, I don't think they were podcasts. <laughs> well, actually, they were on demand. Then technically, I guess they were. Right, I right. Guess. None of those will be offered against him in trial. Which and is then, good for him, right? I think it's probably fair. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, that, that would definitely be inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decided to go judge alone, meaning he will not be tried by a jury. He's de- decided to be uh, tried just by a judge. So the judge will determine his guilt. And if found guilty, would also determine a punishment. And that relates back to a ruling by the judge earlier. I, I would say that... Uh, the defense couldn't question the jurors about if they voted for President Trump or not. Oh, okay. Okay. Because if you remember, there was... Yes, the falling out of the helicopter comments that many, uh, Donald Trump made on the campaign trail. In New yes. Hampshire and other places, we heard them firsthand. Yeah, the issue of undue command influence, I believe, right. is how you right. refer to that. You're a military attorney. Is this a good strategy for, for Bergdahl to go just to the judge? Is I this what so. you would recommend if you were I your I think client? so, because at the earlier Article 32 hearing now almost many, many months ago, maybe even a year ago, the defense, to a certain extent, was already pleading guilty by the facts that they uh, entered into the record. They were pleading guilty to a short-term UA or AWOL. Like they were stipulating to that, right? right? Yeah. He left and was, of his own volition, gone from his place of duty for 10 hours until he was captured. And then it was that the length of his... Being away was not his own fault right. after that point. So right. what they're, they're pleading to is pretty minor What would charge. happen to a regular guy? If, if he returned after 10 hours. Yeah, what would, what, ha- like, what what would, would the typical likely, punishment be for that? God, it's so hard to say um, because it's, it's changed throughout the mm-hmm, years, yeah. but it, it's not a serious amount of time. Yeah. So I think that that's why they, they made that choice because you have... You're less likely to have the passions inflamed of just one military judge. He's used to hearing these things. He or she's used to hearing these things. It's not as, oh my gosh, you know, if you were the first time, you know, as a court martial member, judges are used to hearing that. Right, so right. I think overall it's, it's a very wise choice. So one of the things that I've come to understand through civilian criminal justice is these 
trials where you just go by a judge, not a jury. This happened recently in a really well-known case, Michelle Carter, that Massachusetts girl who allegedly talked her boyfriend into committing suicide. She opted to go in front of just the judge. And it seems like people do that when they know there could be biased accounts or feelings about what they've done. They hope to get a fairer outcome. Oh, right, because that case, I mean, it sounds, you know, she, she's, she, I believe she was the young woman who was saying, like, go get back in the car, right. you need to go this, through yeah. with exactly. this. I mean, you, you're hoping that just the judge alone would kind of bring down the level of just, oh my God, this person's dead, and saying, well, Take out all those inflammatory dead, factors, right. But it was at her fault, yeah. So, so this is sort of the same deal? Yes, for yeah. sure. Okay. None of Bergdahl's statements in Serial seem to be at issue here, unless perhaps he told the the reporters things that were different than he told the military, right? Doesn't seem to be from this yeah, initial I mean, filings, right, that there's there was a discrepancy? Yeah, those are going to be definitely used against him. Those are his voluntary statements that he's made. Again... It would be a difficult case to be the defense attorney. You're right. like, oh, so you recorded a thousand hours of, <laughs> yeah. of audio about Which, this? Which, by the way, folks, if you get uh, arrested for something, please don't do, do that. not do that. No, no. <laughs> don't so, talk to anyone. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like pro. Uh, let's put a lot of audio down for a podcast. Right? <laughs> right, I don't know. Right. I don't know. At le- well, at least as long as you have like a good pop filter and you have good yep. audio quality. Right. No, so I, I haven't heard anything that. Um, differs greatly about that. There may be some discrepancies, but nothing material. Well, Wyrick, can't thank you enough for once again joining us. I hope you will come back and talk to us when there are other areas where crime and the military come in contact. Could you please commit to that? I love the military, but don't worry. They're always committing crime. Thanks to the conference folks and the folks at Shore Microphones for providing us a spot to talk to Wyrick in the hallway at the Podcast Movement Conference. You can hear the full, unedited, kind of raw conversation we had with Wyrick about this issue and also about President Trump's transgender military order. We're going to post the full, unedited, warts and all audio of that conversation at our website, crimewriterson.com. Just look for the blog that goes with this episode. Question for you, Laura Bricker. If you were Bo Bergdahl, would you also opt for a judge-only trial in this case? Yes, absolutely. Uh, You know, this is like a case where there's a lot of emotion around it. And I think um, in a case like that, sometimes that emotion and coming into it with there's a lot of political issues around it right now. This kind of removes that. And I think you're going to get a more, you know, fair trial this way, because the judge, you hope is is going to maybe, you know, follow the law more than the emotion of the case. So I would absolutely opt for the same thing. Toby, what do you think? You've been on a couple of juries. Would it, would it have been better for the defendants in the cases on juries in which you served? Uh, if you hadn't been there in that room and it was just the judge? You know, I, I think the trials that I was in, I don't think it would have made a huge difference. I mean, I think it really depends on who the judge is, right? And I, I assume they know who the judge is and therefore they think that they'll get a fair hearing. But we've certainly seen or heard in the course of different things that we've watched and listened to judges who seem to disregard the facts and have sort of a philosophical outlook that leads them to a certain decision. So if I was in Bo Bergdahl's position, that would be my concern. Mm -hmm. 
But that being said, and I assume that he knows who the judge is, I think it's a lot safer to go there than with something that's this sort of emotionally inflammatory to sort of leave your fate up to other servicemen. Mm. So, Kevin, I know that you have a lot of thoughts about Bo Bergdahl, but I have to follow up with you. After everything that happened at Podcast Movement, how could Payne Lindsay make it up to all the true crime podcasters that he perhaps snubbed during his talk there? Well, I mean, I think for starters, what Payne could do is he could send a special gift card from Love Pop, <laughs> the intricate 3D laser cut paper cards designed by naval engineers. I don't think he's going to do that. Love Pop <laughs> offers more than just a greeting card. It's an experience in an envelope. Love Pop? Yeah, Love Pop. So I whether like that. whether it's a wedding, a birthday, or saying, sorry, I took a dump all over the industry that made me famous, <laughs> Love Pop gives you a reason to do something awesome for a special people in your life. So it's a greeting card and you open it up and think of like, you know, like those three-dimensional things that pop up like like paper mache yes. or origami. Yes. Like this, like on the whole next level. Fantastic stuff. You make so, a fancy-ass pop-up book. Oh, like a fan, yes. Like you absolutely have to go to the website and see some of the examples. Like the opening sequence to Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but in a greeting card. Simply order online at Love Pop and they will handwrite the message in the card and mail it directly. Now there's, Card that Did you say I, handwrite? That yeah. is so personal. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. On top of these- The pop-up? Uh, the pop-up <laughs> designed by naval engineers. Wow. By the way, I'm very happy the military is using their powers for happy etiquette. Good. yeah. The best card that I thought is they have a Beatles yellow submarine card. Mm-hmm. So it's because you open it up, it's the yellow submarine, all the detail. It isn't just like a one-dimensional piece of paper. It's like four or five like different layers, pe- layers that open up like an, almost like an accordion. But it looks, it's perfect. It's so awesome. So to enter the 2018 Love Pop birthday sweepstakes mm-hmm. for your chance to win 50 3D birthday cards, visit lovepop.com slash crime. That's lovepop.com slash crime for a chance to win 50 3D birthday cards. I want to win 50 3D birthday cards. Lovepop.com slash crime. Crime. Okay. What else you got, Kevin? Well, when you're on the red carpet about to lose your podcast through a war. Which, by the way, who did we lose our award to? We didn't even say. Oh, it was the Blacklist Exposed. Yeah, and they were super nice guys. They were nice. We tweeted to them. They tweeted back. They said that they were listening to our podcast It was another indie. It made me happy that we lost to an indie that was not a podcast that had famous people on it. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, and like I said, when you're on the red carpet about to lose, you want a new look. (laughs) And that's why my arm candy always wears Le Tote. Nice. The personalized box of brand name rental clothing and accessories that's delivered right to your door with an incredible selection of workwear, weekend wear, awards wear, everything (laughs) in between. Le Tote will help you look great for any occasion. What did you wear? You you actually left. You missed the open bar to go change. I did. I wore wore some pants that I got from Le Tote on the red carpet along with my cute shirt and and little shoes. And they were very comfortable and looked really good. And I look at pictures and I'm like, I kind of look cute in those pants. I think I'm going to buy them because they're really affordable because they were in my Le Tote. That's the great thing about Le Tote. You wear what you like. When you're done with it, you fold it up, you put it back in the uh, envelope, pouch, yep. the pouch, send it off, you get more little totes. If there's something you like, like that scarf or those pants or the earrings. You just keep it. You buy it. No sweat. You just keep it and then they charge your card. Like you don't even have to say I want to buy it. You just keep it and don't send it back. It's so easy. They make mm-hmm. it so 
easy. I just kept a dress and I always know when I'm going to keep something because it's like I start wearing it and I want to keep wearing it and then I'm like well I really want to send my my bag back so I can get some more clothes and that's when it's a sign like okay this thing that I'm keeping and I'm wearing I need to just do that and buy it. Um, but I've gotten some awesome things and they and I and people are always like oh that's really cute and I'm like finally feeling fashionable because when you're a mom a lot of times you get stuck in a rut so this has definitely I'm feeling a lot more frisky lately that's great <laughs> so yeah. mom I don't know if that was really what I should have said T-T-M-I. but um, I also dyed my hair today so I think I could be having a midlife crisis yeah. but the toad has wow. helped Laura Bricker fire chief's gonna like have to put the hose down on that one huh? <laughs> oh my god maybe we don't keep that line I don't <laughs> oh know. no we're keeping we'll keep it the line. All right. <laughs> maybe please, we should just cut that out stop. I don't even know where that came so moms and arm candy please go to letote.com that's l-e-t-o-t-e.com and get started for as low as 39 dollars a month enter promo code crime at checkout and get 50 percent off your first month why isn't everybody doing this once you sign up you'll receive your completely customizable tote within days choose between one or unlimited totes a month get just wear what you want and return everything in the mail when you're done it's that easy enter your code Crime and feel fabulous with fashion delivered right to your door. So, for our listeners who perhaps haven't checked out the last podcast we posted a couple weeks ago, here's my tip for you look into your podcast app right now, download it. If you don't feel like listening to the whole thing, that's okay. Just fast forward it to the end to hear an outtake from one of our ads. Oh, that was so filthy. That is maybe the dirtiest thing that's ever happened on this podcast. Oh, my God. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Moving on. <laughs> I feel like I have to shake my head like an Etch-a-Sketch right now just to get those two <laughs> things out of it. The A&E Network is out with a new limited true crime series focusing on the infamous Lacey Peterson case. You might remember that the pregnant Modesto, California woman went missing in Christmas Eve 2002. Suspicion fell on her very handsome husband, Scott Peterson, with the media circus going full tilt after his secret lover, Amber Fry, came forward. The dismembered body of Lacey and her unborn child were later found in the San Francisco Bay. Scott Peterson was sentenced to death in 2005 for the killings. Side note, he is at San Quentin, but I have received confirmation from the creators of Ear Hustle that because he's on death row, he will never appear on that podcast. Oh. I know. A&E's retrospective is filled- Too bad Ear Hustle sucks like every other true crime podcast. Oh my God. If he had said that, (laughs) I would have gotten Nigel Poor in on the Twitter war. God, that would have been some throwdown action. <sighs> anyway, oh, I did meet Julie Shapiro, by the way, who, uh, who was the executive producer of Your Hustle at Yeah, she, she was, was great. part of the serial And team, right. she thanked us for being one of the first people to talk about it. And Dan Taberski from Missing Richard Simmons thanked me for being the first interview he ever did about his world-famous podcast. And I met Dan Taberski in the elevator. We were going up to, le- <laughs> to, to the fifth floor, and we had a whole conversation. Okay, enough about us. All right, enough about us. Can a- we name drop anybody else? <laughs> okay, uh, A&E's retrospective is filled with many investigators, witnesses, and family members from both both sides of the case, and rather than overly dramatize the narrative, this show seems to be playing it right down the middle and pretty straight. Before we start talking about the case and the show, Toby, I have a question for you. When I emailed you and said, this is what we're going to be doing, Kevin and I watched one, and you might actually like it. (laughs) What did you think in that moment? Did you think I was nuts? Uh, no, I trust you, Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) 
I said, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, the first thing we hear and see on the show, Toby, is Scott Peterson's voice. We know that the documentarians have been speaking to him in prison. Was that a signal that this wasn't going to be kind of your run-of-the-mill, dramatized, true crime, sensational documentary? I guess I haven't watched enough of these to know whether that's unusual or Mm -hmm. not. I've seen enough stuff around it to know that it's sort of calling into question whether Scott Peterson is is actually guilty. So it, I guess it didn't surprise me too much that he he would have cooperated with it. Yeah, I mean the the start of it it just it it seemed like it was in a slightly different class than than what I was expecting. Now, Laura, one of my favorite moments, it happens in the first few minutes of the first episode of this Lacey Peterson series. They spent a lot of time talking to a couple of local reporters who were on the ground during the really Mm -hmm. frantic media coverage of this case. And those local reporters became national correspondents for a long period of time during the investigation of this case Mm -hmm. and all of the stuff that happened. And that second episode is about the media, which we'll get to. But I did love that little soundbite from the local reporter when someone says to her, what do you think if you didn't do it? And she's putting on her like microphone and she's like, is that seriously a question? (laughs) (laughs) Um, She was fixing her ponytail or something. Do you approach this like she did with the are we seriously questioning whether or not Scott Peterson did this or do you approach it with more of an open mind? I try to approach it with an open mind, but in this case, I totally don't. I mean, this there's so many things that happen that you're just like, uh, and I remember when this case was on the news and it was unfolding and I was like, oh, it's totally going to be the husband, you know, because you could just see it was like a lifetime movie or something, the way that it all played out. But I, I loved the use of the local reporters um, because it, it showed, you know, when and we've been through this when, you know, here in New Hampshire, we have the primary and you know, the presidential primary, all the national media descend. And and there is something to be said for being the local reporter and already having the established sources and the connections and, and really hustling on a story like that and being able to stay ahead of the national media. So I, I liked that part of the show. Yeah, I really liked it, too. And I like that they give the nod to the local reporters as experts on the community and on law enforcement and understanding the characters Kevin, what do you think of this idea that they're pulling this old 2002 case out? Obviously, it was a very sensational case. Uh One of the best things that happens in that first episode is we do hear the legal expert run down the list. And he's really wonderful, that sort of reasonable lawyer who does uh, the two-way with the camera. It looks a lot like Scott Peterson, which is a little bit weird. But (laughs) I thought the same thing. I was very confused for the first. I was like, wait. Wait, wait, what, what is going on here? He's representing himself. Now. Yeah, but he gives yeah. a rundown yeah. on what makes a case popular. Which is very similar to what uh, the author, Bill James, yes. gives. The baseball statistician. Baseball statistician wrote in Popular Crime, you know, certain checkboxes on why this crime becomes a media sensation and not that crime. And some of the things are celebrity or you have a very attractive victim or perpetrator. And I don't remember if he he used this, but it's almost always a white person. Mm -hmm. You know, people of color do not get the same kind of attention in the national media for those crimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, he basically, you know, laid out the case that this fit the equation. And it was a story. And I I know, like, at Christmas time, like, 
hey, nothing is happening that news-wise. That was so interesting and true. As someone who yeah. works in a newsroom, like something happens around Christmas time and you're because, like- Because look, all, all the you know government offices are closed and people wait. No one is, is trying to make news. So anything that happens ends up getting you know into the A block on the news. So a missing person uh, was automatically going to be like a lead story in Modesto and you know in that surrounding market and then well it just it just went from there so toby we find out in episode 1 in the early parts of the investigation i think that the documentary the show does a pretty decent job of trying to I'm not sure if it's making the case for Scott's innocence. I'll just say it because Lacey Peterson's family also participated on the show and they show up a lot. Be really beginning in episode two is when you start seeing her family in the show. And it's not like making a murderer where it's sort of like this one sided thing. So I'm not sure where the show is going to go ultimately, whether there's a goal here of trying to make that case. But one of the things that does happen in that first episode is they talk about all the things that made Scott Peterson the only focus of investigators. They talk about, for instance, that Scott wanted the cop to put his drink on a coaster when he came to visit their house. You know, they talk about that interview where if his wife is missing, he should have been a certain way and should have you know, acted a certain way, but yeah. emotional, right? Now, Toby, what did you think about that yeah. sort of assessment of him and them jumping to that conclusion that he was definitely a suspect because of those details? Not surprisingly, I found it like completely appalling. Again, there's these, you know, there's these expectations for how a grieving person should act. And, you know, if you don't like check off those boxes, people think there's something wrong. And, you know, when he was talking about those, about the coaster, then about how he was like opening a car door and the cars were close together and Scott like put a glove out so that they wouldn't scratch the car. For whatever reason, what kind of occurred to me was that in sports, you know, you practice the same things again and again and again. And the idea is that you want to make them habits. So when you're under great pressure, that you will revert to your habits, sort of unthinkingly, you will do these things. And I think you can make just as valid an argument that, you know, in a time when he's totally stressed out, he's trying to deal with cops and his his pregnant wife is missing. And keeping his girlfriend again, secret. he just does... <laughs> Which was part of the pressure. He's got a girlfriend pressure, secret right? that, he, mm-hmm. that he's freaking out about. But anyway, he's, he's under all this pressure and then he reverts to his habits. So, you know, without thinking, he's doing these things that he would normally do anyway. But that's more a sign of distress than it is of being strangely anal. I, I mean, I don't even know. Like, I don't know. I don't understand what the psychology they think is going on. Mm-hmm. Is that he's so, like, out to lunch that he's not even going to pretend I found just about everybody involved in this to be pretty frustrating, and and that cough is definitely one of them. As I was watching this, so the murder case that I wrote a book about had a similar sort of dynamic with the husband acting very peculiar. His wife was poisoned in the hospital, and he wasn't. And that was the same thing in that case. It was the first thing the investigators noticed that kind of put them onto this guy was he wasn't responding how they thought he would while his wife was on life support and dying. Is that lie after lie? That was lie after lie. (laughs) Name drop. But anyway, so no, I mean, so I I actually related to the police when they were like honing in on why, you know, that Scott wasn't reacting how they would think he would react in the situation. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. There's been so many other cases. If you look at other cases where husbands have killed wives, where the same weird behavior or, you know, something is a little off when the wife died or is dying. 
So I was looking at kind of saying like, yeah, this is this is kind of like the MO for these cases almost. And, and you hate to fall into that trap, but it seems like in a lot of cases, there's a lot of similarities like that. Now, this was also a criticism of Adnan Syed during the Heyman Lee investigation. He wasn't behaving like someone whose even his friend had disappeared or his ex-girlfriend disappeared. Mm-hmm. And this comes up over and over and over again. The behavior of the suspect doesn't match what we think we would do in that case. And now, Kevin, you know. Right, like in reply all that the suspect had autism. Right. And so like, oh, he seemed cold and emotionless. Was, yeah, I mean, that's. That's a symptom of his condition is right. that he always seems that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but you think about how you behave when there's a trauma or like an emergency in your family, right? Some people fall apart. Some, be- some get super focused. Some turn into like you, for instance. Someone had a car accident in our family this week and you turned into like a super efficient list making, deed doing like machine of efficiency, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If that had been a different situation and it had been a situation, God forbid, I don't go missing and people like are looking for me. But... I'll make a T-shirt with my phone number on it. <laughs> Laura will wear it. Not a killer husband. No. Not a killer if, husband. We'll That's get some hot models like. to pass them around. If Rebecca yeah, yeah. vanishes, call Kevin at... Uh, Blood okay. bag. What was the, what's the phone? Seven bleed bag one. Seven that bleed. is our podcast. If I vanish, by the way, guys, call seven bleed bag one. If you vanish, they're obviously going to be looking at me first. <laughs> they don't need Jane Fitzgerald <laughs> or to, to tell or them. Jim Clementi. Go talk to Kevin Flynn. The person who did this probably hates her podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want it that wide. Anyway, Kevin, but you know we do hear this over and over again. But I have sort of a broader question for you because we watch a lot of this stuff. You know, we talked about the Unabomber show a couple weeks ago. We've talked about you know a lot of true crime TV documentaries about cases, sensational cases like this, the Jean Benet Ramsey one, as I mentioned, the um, Casey Anthony one. Mm-hmm. The quality, the look and feel, and the style of this, do you think sets it apart from it, those? Yeah. Yeah, I do. It could very well be just sort of a cut and dry. We're going to go with a bunch of different uh, sound bites. It's not exactly like on the level of it being a thinker, mm-hmm. but I think that they did put like... there's It's there's, not the jinx. It's not the jinx. Look, one thing I noticed, which I think lends to that, is that there's no narrator. Right. You know, trying to fill in the blanks of what we don't know and, and push the narrative along. Or cheesy, like, titles on the screen. There's some titles, but they make sense. They're not cheesy. Right, titles. right. I mean, they do the, They do what has now become a very standard thing and, and very well, like, with, you know, animated maps and timelines so that you, the the viewer, can comprehend a little more about some of the minutiae that's happening. There's some drone footage? You know, that's it doesn't stick that's out. just B-roll. Yeah. Like, there are some recreated shots, dramatiz- dramatized shots, but it's not heavy on that. Mm-hmm. In fact, you said, like... Like within the first hour, like so they didn't even do that. I said they did, but it was so subtle. With a dog? It was such a light touch that <laughs> yeah. you didn't notice that it was right. like an actress doing this and this and that. So I think it is, you know, on a little higher level than, than some of the things that certainly anything that you normally see on uh, investigation discovery. It wasn't like, you know, run and gun for all the video. I just want to mention as a side note, because Toby was talking before about how this seemed like a Lifetime movie, the way it played out in real life. The Lacey Peterson case actually became, I believe it was Lifetime uh, movie, with Dean Kane, who played oh, yeah. Superman on TV, playing Scott Peterson. Oh. 
could see that, yeah. Because when this case was happening... I think I watched that. Yeah, I remember thinking how much uh, Scott Peterson resembled Dean Cain That's at it. the time. Yeah, yeah, that was a whole thing. And that became a part of the thing, that he was a good-looking guy. And women came forward and said he was flirting with them at the headquarters of, of the search for Lacey and so forth. Uh, we get to episode two, uh, although she does make an appearance in episode one as well. I want to talk about a central figure in this case. Amber Fry. Uh, nope. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> She's come up Toby's before favorite, in I other thought. shows we've talked oh. about that we've discussed on this podcast. I don't think it's unfair to say she is a central figure in the country's fascination with these cases and in developing an opinion about them. That is everyone's favorite slash least favorite true crime quote journalist in the planet, Nancy Grace. Toby, um, what did you think about Nancy Grace's interviews that you've seen so far in this show and her involvement in this case? To me, it's amazing that she she was a prosecutor. The idea that she would have like some kind of place in the judicial system when she's literally like there was something about him I didn't like. And based on that is willing to <laughs> go after him on mm-hmm. the news. Yep. Again, I thought there's almost nobody involved in this case other than the families who I didn't find extremely frustrating, but she was probably the most. And then she she said, you know, I I felt like I had a duty to speak for Lacey. I'm like, well, you know, who asked you to do that? Like, <laughs> yeah. Under whose authority are you speaking for her? Why do you feel like what you are saying is in any way what she... <laughs> You know, would want you to uh, say how do, how do you speak for her? <laughs> yeah, who who do you think you are to be that one? Right? It's not the first time that somebody in that kind of post law enforcement justice thing has sort of said the same thing. It's like I'm I'm here to give voice to the victim, and it's like who named you to be this person? You right, know, right? You don't know them. So anyway, she, she's the worst. She seems completely unself conscious about it. And I, I just I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I, mean, I think she's she's really uh, not a voice for reason. And I can't believe she gets this or she had this like big megaphone mm-hmm. for years, apparently. Yeah. She was guest hosting for Larry King at the time the show was on. She wasn't just on like HLN or whatever. Did she network. have her show then? I know this was I think this was how Before she got Z, yeah. her show was by she would kept playing these she was like a, a talking head on CNN and on the other channels and then uh-huh. she ended up getting this guest hosting gig and I think that's what propelled her to sort of a lead spot. It, it was interesting because she has made appearances and we know her as you know almost a caricature of She was in the staircase in the same the, exact role, right? Well, inflating they, yeah. the drama around the suspect. She's the only like tangential character in this that gets her own backstory. Told. She's the Tucker Carlson because, of true crime because <laughs> <laughs> she is. Because you know uh, we know a lot about. If I just say Nancy Grace, a lot of people have an immediate opinion. But you know, sort of the why she is the way she is. Not a lot of people see that. So the producers felt it was important to give some context to her and. To kind of explain, maybe give us some reason to understand, like, why was she so aggressive about this? And then draw your own conclusion. But she tells the story in, like, a three-sentence thing, and it's her well, I, I version. I don't want to listen to Nancy Grace for 20 minutes. No, this, you know, no. It, but my issue with even, my issue was she gives her backstory for our listeners who haven't seen the show. She gives a backstory, which you may know. Our listeners might know this, about how when she was in college, she was engaged, and her fiancé was murdered. And that's why she's now a crusader for justice. 
I don't, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying it's a very, very practiced and superficial version of a story that justifies Mm -hmm. a lot of destructive behavior on her part, I think. She's actually, like, made accusations about people on her show that turned out to be not true. She's done a lot of damage. Right, Laura? Yeah. Oh, because she just, she's so abrasive when she goes off. And even that that clip, I don't, there was a clip of her actually in court when she was a prosecutor and she was, like, screaming. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God. So she's been screaming for a long time. a yardstick or something (laughs) like that? Was she running with a tire iron? (laughs) Through a warehouse? Yeah. (laughs) Was she digging in the ground? I don't know. You know, I think, you know, having watched the top mom case was going on and, and, and any other case that, you know, starts and she immediately latches on to it. And we've talked about this with podcasts, like not naming people as suspects or kind of reserving judgment until more facts come out. But, um, you know, she's got ESP or something. So and then what do you do if you've already been on a news clip on TV where you've been accused of something and then you're not found guilty or you're not even charged that's out there forever for people to find now laura defense investigators kind of get a big shout out in this show i know because investigators working on behalf of scott peterson have turned up lots of witnesses neighbors other people in the neighborhood who live close to the peterson saying they saw lacey peterson walking her dog at the same time that investigators know Scott Peterson was driving to his office, was at his office, or was driving to this marina that he went to, yet those people were never interviewed by police. What did you think of that mm-hmm. section of being revealed in the investigation? And did it at all sort of make you think differently about this case when you saw all these very credible people giving that statement on the documentary? It didn't necessarily make me feel different about the case, but it, I definitely liked that we had more of a window into the defense team that was working on the case. Um, you know, we had the guy who I, he was, I didn't really understand his role. He was investigating lawyer. So he was a lawyer and an investigator, the one who was going in the jail and kind of reviewing discovery with Scott Peterson in the case and really was meeting with him all the time kind of getting to know him that well and and having a hard time reconciling the person that he was going to see with the person that was charged with this crime. And that's something I've talked about before. You know, when you're doing defense work and you get to know people, you know, they're often very nice. It's just, you know, they're charged with certain crimes that in a lot of cases did actually happen, but the the person isn't maybe necessarily egregious to be around all the time. It's just they they took part in something. So I I liked having that window into the defense. And, And I can tell you, you know, having gone out and gone door to door in cases trying to find additional witnesses when I used to work on cases, a lot of times defense investigators find witnesses that the police haven't talked to because when the police go out, they're doing like the initial sweep. Mm -hmm. And in this case, obviously, it's a murder case, so they're going to do a bigger sweep than that. But, you know, they do the initial sweep. They get what they need to arrest, you know, to file charges. And and they're busy. They've got to move on to the next case. Whereas when you come in as a defense investigator, you have more time to go back and keep going back and keep trying to find something because, you know, your your job is to really find anything to shed more light on the story or to help the case. Now, Toby, Amber Fry was rolled out by police in a very interesting way during this investigation. She came forward, said, I think my boyfriend might be this married guy who with a murdered wife and I had no idea he was married and she's actually in the show. And that was the moment when I saw her that she participated where I was like, oh, shit, like they got everyone. Mm -hmm. They got Lacey's parents. Mm -hmm. They got Amber Fry. They have Scott. 
They have his lawyers. They have everyone. But I just want to talk about this trope, uh, not in stories, but in real crimes. We see it over and over and over again, where police discover that somebody is, for lack of a better word, a super dick with their personal relationships. <laughs> and they immediately draw a bright red line from super dick with their personal relationships in their sex life to 100% has to be a killer. What do you think about that line? Is it fair in this case or in other cases? And does that bother you? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it's ridiculous. You know, the one thing that I think that a male reporter kind of added to this whole thing his impression was that, oh, he wasn't trying to hide uh, a murder. He was trying to hide that he was having an affair. Right. Like that was in Scott's, to Scott's benefit. Like, I guess I just, I'm not around like courts and, and investigations enough to know whether doing something like that, like finding a piece of evidence and then having like a big press conference about it is kind of kosher. That's not really a valid investigatory method, right? You're just trying to inflame the public. Mm-hmm. You're, you're trying to win public opinion in that particular case. You mean by rolling Amber out to do the press conference in front of the police and all those folks? Right. Like, that, that doesn't have any investigative worth, as far as I can tell. I would have a difference of opinion with you on, on that, Toby. I think that that is actually a fairly common proactive police technique. I mean, they were already using her as, you know, uh, a source to get the recorded phone calls to try to get something incriminating. So rolling her out at a press conference burns her for that part of the investigation, right? I think what they were trying to do is, after they have all this stuff, is to put her out there, not for the press to see, but for Scott to see, to see that we know this about you, and to put more pressure on him to comply and to confess. Do you think they were trying to maybe flush out other women? No, I, th- I think that they knew this was the relationship and this was a stressor point for him and that they were trying to do this in a way to say, look, we, you know, we know your secrets. I mean, who has his back at that moment? You know, if it's not Amber, and he also knows that he spoke, I mean, you're working on the assumption that the jury got it correct and that Scott killed Lacey. And if that's the case, this isn't a bad way of turning up the heat on him. If it also, at the same time, inflames the press and it puts more cameras in front of his house, then I think the police are probably like, all the better. They don't care if that's collateral damage or not. To me, that's bullshit. I mean, not that that your explanation is bullshit. I, I think that's probably dead on. I think you have more leverage sitting him down and be like, look, we know. And, you know, we're, we're going to try to keep this this stuff private, but you got to start leveling with us now. I agree with you, Toby. I am so over this entire thing that happens. It seems like I, I've seen it over and over again in so many cases where somebody's sex life and the way they are in relationships becomes a factor in deciding their guilt or not because there are 50 miles between being a shitty husband and being a husband who murders your wife dumps her in the water when she's eight months pregnant with your baby there's like a lot of space between those two things and I'm not saying that Lacey Peterson's parents are at fault for this because I do feel like the way the police handled this 
really added to their supporting Scott being the number one suspect because they were on his side. Like they felt like they knew him. They were defending him. He was, you know, to the public and to people in the media like Nancy Grace not behaving the way he was supposed to. And her parents were still like, he's our son-in-law. We know him. We don't think he did it. And the minute that press conference happened, they were immediately like, when we saw that, we knew he had done it. And that was kind of what the police set out to do was really like add some prejudice to this case, not just in terms of like potential jurors, but in terms of the way that the people who were sort of around him and supporting him felt about him. And I do think, again, I have no idea whether or not Scott Peterson committed this crime. Apparently, according to this documentary, there was zero physical evidence ever found that he actually committed this crime. And I have no idea whether he did it. And me starting to watch is just like that reporter. I was like, is this really a question? Is this in question? His guilt or innocence? What I have come to realize that my perception of that is based on the coverage of this case that I saw back in 2002, 2003, 2004 and 2005, along with everyone else. That is all I know about this case is what I saw in the media. And a huge part of that was that he is a dick to women. That's a huge part of it. And there's a difference between being a dick to women and being a murderer. Uh, Yeah, you know, though, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to watch all of this and not feel like it makes, I mean, it definitely, when I'm watching Amber Fry, I'm watching him dyeing his hair with the $10,000, heading to Mexico, <laughs> all of this stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry, but it just, you, you really have a hard time thinking he's not guilty when you see all this. Right. I mean, so it's like, I mean, either he's just making a lot of really awful decisions and he's just an idiot. Right. Or he did it. I mean, it's just it's like, how can one person have so many things stacked up against them? Like these these just coincidences, like, I don't know. The one thing that did sway me a little bit was when I saw the dramatic reenactment of the boat. And I'm like, (laughs) the boat was pretty small. Yeah, I mean, that that, you know, definitely that boat was pretty small. So that part I was like, "Mm, that I'm not sure how that that would have actually um, happened in real life. Before we get to our final review of the murder of Lacey Peterson on A&E, I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Scale of 1 to 10, how much does Amber Fry, real life Amber Fry, look like Donna from the West Wing, a.k.a. the actress Janelle Maloney? Oh, uh, (laughs) 7 or (laughs) 8? Dead she, ringer, right? Did she play her in the movie with Dean No, Kane? she didn't. She didn't. I checked, but she Get her she agent should've. on the phone. Totally blew that. <laughs> exactly. All right. So now is the time in the program where we give our reviews of A&E's special series, The Murder of Lacey Peterson, and tell our listeners whether or not they should check it out. Is this interesting enough for them to actually download and watch or watch on demand or catch on their DVR or watch on A&E? Laura Bricker, do you give this series a thumbs up, thumbs down? What do you think? Uh, you know, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I mean, it's it's I won't say it's like the, the my favorite thing that I've ever watched, but it's it's well done. It has both sides of the story. It doesn't have a lot of the super cheesy reenactments that a lot of these shows seem to have now. It definitely has some new information and it's a really good recap of the case. So I did like that it had a lot of different viewpoints sounding in, even Nancy Grace. <laughs> Not that I liked her, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. I think I think we're all in agreement when it comes to Nancy Grace. Sorry, Nancy, if you listen to our show, but 
we're not your biggest fans. But I would love to talk to you someday. It would be really interesting. <laughs> so, Toby Ball, what do you think of this A&E retrospective, The Murder of Lacey Peterson? Should our listeners check it out? I'm totally on the same page as Laura in that it's not the favorite, my favorite thing I've ever seen. I don't know. I'm kind of a thumb sideways. The stuff that I, th- I thought was most interesting about it, I don't think was the stuff that they were like sort of focusing on getting across. But they do have, you know, a variety, a wide variety of voices and people who are sort of centrally involved in it. How many, is it like eight episodes or something? Yeah, something like that. It's a short run, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a short run series. Yeah, so, so we're, we're only like a quarter of the way through it. Yeah, so I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, it's better than I was expecting, but I don't think, you know, you're not going to regret it for the rest of your life if you don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I have to say, I, as I said, the only thing I knew about this case I've come to realize was from the media coverage of it back then. If you had asked me three weeks ago about whether or not Scott Peterson's case deserves another look, I would have said, nope, he's 100% <laughs> guilty. He did it. He's on death row. I don't believe in the death penalty, but I think his conviction was probably correct. I'm not saying I don't think Scott Peterson did it. I'm saying I think this show, very much like that Pam Smart movie on HBO, what's it called? Captivated. Captivated, the Pam Smart Trials trials of of Pam Pam Smart. Smart. This show does a very good job with a new look at the case that talks a lot about the media in a way that is critical at this point in our culture and at this point in time. I don't think... We realize as true crime consumers and as people who follow these cases for years in the news, how much the coverage itself influences how we feel about suspects and how we feel about victims. I think this documentary is doing a really good job of pointing that out and telling me some stuff I didn't know. And by the way, it's beautifully produced and they don't use overuse reenactments. They don't overuse music. It's just nice and clean. I like it. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, stuff that you don't know, stuff that you forgot. Yeah. By the way, I'm a, I'm a thumbs up, like you said. I don't think it's like going to win an Emmy Award or anything, but it's higher quality than some of the other stuff that you've seen. So like in Rotten Tomatoes, would be like an 85. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. <laughs> how, how many different yardsticks are we going to use here? Yeah. for just, Thumbs up, I think, if you're, you know, you, you want to uh, invest the time in it it's, it, it's worth it because it was far enough in the past that you don't remember all the details, so in a way it's kind of fresh, and you go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that, and that's what you know, makes the story. Like, like, his, um, like his getaway, like yeah. when they captured him like, with his, uh, his hair all dyed. Did he have like a fake beard or something? Yeah, he had like a, like a beard like yours, I think. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. well, it's, I guess he had to get rid of it because he didn't have a Harry's razor. Oh, if only he'd had that. If only he had that Harry's razor. You're holding one in your hand. Yeah, Harry's. Where did that come from? I kept it in my pocket. I always walk around with my Harry's razor. Always? Even at the airport? Even Well, I have to get rid of it at the airport. You know that. <laughs> I put it in my checked luggage. Harry's is great because there's no more frustrating drugstore trips. You know, have to go behind the, the glass, plexiglass and the say... stupid plastic yeah, thing. Yeah, all I want is a razor. Yeah. I'm not looking for plutonium. I'm not I just trying want, to buy crystal meth. I just I want to buy a stupid razor. I just want my razor. cheeks shaved <laughs> and looking good. Uh, by the way, Rebecca, uh, here's the razor. How many blades are on that? One, two, three, four, five, plus a soothing strip. A soothing strip. Wait a minute. So you say five blades? I don't, I'm not counting. Five blades? I'm a little bit blind. What do you look at? What do you <gasps> call that? A sixth what? blade. On the top? On the top. It's to help shape and trim. I hope that people know about it's this. It's the Swiss Army razor. 
Harry's Razors. Harry's wants to prove to you that their products are awesome, so they'll give you a shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash crime. Just pay free? Three bucks for shipping. Wow. And you get it for free. So try it for free. And by the way, someone from Harry's team will check in on you, see how your trial's going, so you can let them know. Over three million guys have switched to Harry's. Why not give Harry's a shot and judge for yourself? How many ladies have switched? I know I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, get started with your Harry's free trial offer today. All you cover is just a few bucks in shipping to get that free trial set, which includes a handle, blade, shave gel, and travel blade cover. Go to harrys.com slash crime. crime. That's harrys.com slash crime. crime. Don't wait. Get started with Harry's today. Ladies love it too for their legs. That's all I'm saying. You know what else ladies love? What? Lola tampons. Oh my God, we do. <laughs> At least I'm told this. You are told this by me, the user of Lola tampons in our family. I am the user. Yes. Yeah. Now, you know that major brands use like a synthetic mix of ingredients in their tampons. They do? Yeah. Harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrances, dyes, rayon. Ugh. Polyester. Poly- yes. Lola tampons are 100% cotton with BPA-free plastic applicators. And Lola's subscription is super flexible, so you can change, skip, and cancel anytime. They send it right to your door. You'll know two days before your box or your boxes ship, so no surprises. And they're now offering pads and liners, as well as non-applicator tampons for those looking for a more environmentally friendly option. Oh, good for those ladies. I like the applicator myself. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to put any of that crap inside my lady parts. I like the all-natural experience. I love me some Lola. I love the way they ship it. I love the way it shows up, and it's exactly what you need. I'm an older lady. I don't need a lot of those, like, big fat missiles anymore. I just love the light ones. <laughs> Listen. Toby and I are going to go take a walk. Listen. Right, you finished the No, ad. it's not. I will I will confess that I have also started ordering the Lola tampons. They're great. And I like that you can change. I like you go on. They have a little thing you can customize like how many you want you in each box. You know what you need right, 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 right Laura? Nobody else knows what you need more than you. And they even have super heavy. I mean, they have like a wide, It's but I like how you can adjust up and down and get exactly what you want. That's right. None of the applicator free ones for me. I don't get those people, but good for you if you do get no. them and that Lola does offer that. Yeah. Bully for you, ladies. <laughs> I'm going to try to say something Kevin, that won't end it's my marriage. all natural and it's all, like, what is your problem? <laughs> Man up, be a lady, Kevin. Tell us what you like about Lola. Well, for 60% off your first order, you can visit mylola.com and enter crime. crime. When you subscribe, that's mylola, M-Y-L-O-L-A.com. Promo code crime. crime. It's a crime if you use any other kind of tampon. That's all I have to say. That's how you can remember the promo code. All right, now it's time to move on to my favorite part of this podcast, a little something I like to call the The crime crime of of the the week. week. And this one, guys, is really in my wheelhouse. The crime of the week is a steal, a real estate steal right here in Concord, New Hampshire. By right here, I mean the next town over. A 3,500 square foot colonial, three beds, three baths, and five plus acres on the amazingly named Hot Hole Pond Road can be yours for just $299,000. Good price. (laughs) Wait until you hear the catch, because there are plenty of catches. And for you to fully understand, the only thing I can do is read the Zillow listing as it is written. Are you ready, guys? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This house is a cash-only sale being sold as is with no contingencies. Utilities will not be turned on. This is the colonial-style home that sits back off the road. The kitchen cabinets, counters, and fixtures 
are missing. <laughs> you must wear breathing protection to enter. Discoloration present, proof of funds and bank check for 3% of offer required with all offers. There is no plot plans or info on well or septic. Home has indoor pool. The area is covered in mold. Pool is not working. Buyer must use own due diligence. So, crime writers, we are a panel of professional writers, and it occurred to me, maybe we can help this realtor out. Maybe give some tips on how he or she could have made this Zillow listing a little bit more appealing. Uh, Toby Bo, I'm going to start with you. Is there any way that this listing could be, I don't know, a little more sellable? I'm just assuming that this is this guy's ex-wife's house, right? <laughs> you clean the pool. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my the only thing I could come up with is like sort of a own a piece of history, uh, you know, colonial built on ancient Indian burial grounds. <laughs> Bring your own TV. Yada, yada, yada. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like it. Laura Bricker, what about you? Can you help this realtor out? Maybe make this listing a little bit more appealing with some writing tricks? I, I don't think I can make it more appealing, but I would like them to add, I, you know, let's, let's be honest here. What the hell happened at this house? That's what I want to know. Like, did the people get abducted by aliens? <laughs> did somebody die there? Otherwise, there's just so much speculation. Like you could sit here all day being like, what happened to this house? Did the, <laughs> did the pipes freeze? Did somebody come and ransack it? Were they, was it like a meth lab? Like, who knows? So I think if I had more information, I could make a better decision about whether to even consider the property. But without like full disclosure about what happened, it's not happening. My question is... If the pool area indoors, which, by the way, there are incredible photos of online. Can yeah, you post it on the website, Kevin? Yeah, go to Zillow. We'll post the link on all our right, website. Right. Maybe we should post a screen cap just in case this gets <laughs> taken down. What is someone supposed to do with an indoor pool that doesn't work where the entire area is covered in mold? So I kind of think they could have improved it by maybe I can't keep my stand-up my front-loading washer from getting mold. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like they could have upsold that as like a botanical garden, perhaps. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I could think of that would have made this a little better. Kitchen lacks appliances and cabinets. It could be like the kitchen could be anything you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? What could have made this listing a little bit better? I think it's like this. For sale, penicillin farm. <laughs> That's not bad. Never get an infection again. I have never seen a real estate listing that said must wear breathing protection to enter. To me, that's the one that makes it definitely not worth two hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. All right, they dropped it thirty grand. They did. It I mean, a three, whole thirty grand. Three twenty nine. Really? Wait, what? It was the original <laughs> They offered it at three twenty nine. They did. Sixty days later, they me? dropped it thirty. The best part about this listing at the top of it, it says price reduction. <laughs> Oh, my God. I just want to see what those flip or flop people could do with this, right? They'd flop it. <laughs> Joanna on FX Report add a bunch of ship lap. It would be just fine. All right, Laura Bricker, before we wrap up, uh, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do. Um, Jen Jensen's cat, Zoe, 
Um, it looks like a calico cat is the peeping Tom who likes to watch the other kitties make love outside. Ooh, Wait, hashtag what? Hashtag indoor cat problems. Creepy cat problems. The reason I selected this is um, I don't know if anyone else listened to the latest Ear Hustle today. Mm, um, boom, boom, was about <laughs> that boom, boom, room. And also had probably the best ad placement ever with a mattress ad in an episode about sex <laughs> so um that's why zoe the peeping tom kitty wins this week's cat of the week i kind of think that cat should be on a registry i'm sorry that's just a little bit weird to me <laughs> laura bricker if our listeners want to continue to submit their cats dogs and other animals to you for consideration for our cat of the week how can they find you online at laura bricker that's your handle on Twitter, Toby Ball. If our listeners want to reach you on Twitter, how can they do that? At Toby Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, if our listeners have any reason to want to reach out to you, I don't know, to tell you whether or not they're on Team Payne or Team You and Rabia and me, <laughs> how can they find you on the Twitter? They can dump all over me at Kevin P. Flynn. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. And you can tweet to this podcast at Crime Writers On. You can also interact with fans of the show on Facebook. Sign up for our newsletter at our website, crimewriterson.com, where, by the way, you can also buy stuff using our Amazon link. When we come back for our next show, I promise we will bring back Toby reading some of those Amazon items you have purchased. Our theme song was performed by the New York Ska Jazz Ensemble and used with permission. Line production for Partners in Crime Media is done by the very handsome Henry Lavoie, who, by the way, is now a licensed driver, which means I never have to sit in that stupid-ass car drop-off lane at school ever again. This show was recorded in Square Egg Studio, formerly known as Studio C, and before that, known as The Closet in Our Basement, that could have been converted into a very useful wine room. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Three beds, three baths, and five-plus acres on the amazingly named Hot Hole Pond Road... (laughs) can be yours. Speaking of my Lola tampons. <laughs> for just $299,000. Can you please take that out? No, staying in. No. MyLola.com. Promo code CRIME. Book of the Month makes discovering great new books easier than ever. Browse their five monthly selections and get your favorites shipped to your door in a fun-to-open box. Head over to bookofthemonth.com slash crimewriters to see their current selections and get your first book for just $9.99. Book of the Month, bound to delight. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.